0: All right, well, I don't have to tell you to be seated, so open your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12, and I want to say that uh, I think we can all agree that Nadia, you did a fantastic job, so great job, and I guess mom and dad did okay too, (laughs) just kidding. Matthew chapter 12 and as you make your way there I want to ask you what you think your style is uh, what do you think your style is do you do you even realize that you have a style you may say I don't have a style no you have a style and the way to find out if you have a style is to answer this question uh, have you ever been uh, shopping or looking at something and you you looked at it and you said no nah, that's not really for me that's that's not me It doesn't fit my personality. Um, That's your style. That's how you know what your style is. And uh, some things might be good for other people. You'll see it and say, I know somebody uh, who would wear that. I know somebody who would get that. That fits them, but it doesn't fit me. And that's all fine. Um, But what about those things that you really want that you think are your style or the things that you would desire? And someone else says, no, that's not you. Has anybody ever said that to you and you felt kind of offended maybe it was something that was just a basic thing or maybe it was like it looked nice like you were trying to buy a suit or you're trying to buy something nice they're like no that's not you and you're like "Uh, why if we're honest I think sometimes we treat rest like that when it comes to the rest we've been been talking about that some people rest it fits them it suits them uh, they just, they have it all together. They have so much rest. They're able to manage their schedule so well. And, and rest really is for them. It, it fits them. But rest, well, that's not for you. No, it's not for you. You're, you're too scatterbrained. You're too hurried. You're too chaotic. You're too weak. You're too busy. You're too burdened. No, no, no. <laughs> no, rest is, rest is not for you. Uh, are, I mean, are, you're kidding, right? You, you, you think that you can have rest. I, I mean, do you, do you see what kind of a mess you are? Do you think that you could ever have rest? I mean, you sin every day, every hour. You're a walking disaster. You're weary. You're insecure. So sorry, no, <laughs> no, 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 no rest for you. If those last few statements describe you, I want you to know something. Listen to me. They describe me too. They describe many of us in this room right now. When we think about rest, what we need is real rest. And not just real rest, but real rest for real people. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. We need rest... Real rest for real people. We need rest that is for the sinful, for the broken, for the traumatized, for the abused, for the weak, the weary, and the burden. We need rest for our anemic, shriveled hearts, and we need rest for our weak, shriveled hands. We need a rest for those who can't scrape together an ounce of rest for themselves. So where is this real rest for real people? Let's read Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 through 14, and see how the Scriptures and how Jesus promises to give real rest to real people. Beginning in verse 9, it says, Moving on from there, he, that is Jesus, entered their synagogue. And there he saw a man who had a shriveled hand, and in order to accuse him that is Jesus, they asked Jesus, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He replied to them, Who among you, if he had a sheep that fell into a pit on the Sabbath, wouldn't take hold of it and lift it out? Verse 12 A person is worth far more than a sheep, and so it is lawful to do what is good on the Sabbath. And then Jesus told the man stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was restored as good as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might kill him. The verses we just read along with the the, ma- the, the messages that we've had from the past two Sundays they revolve around the Sabbath. They revolve around rest and Jesus gave us the invitation to come and find rest for our souls in Him, right? That soul rest, that deep-sinking rest for our souls. And then he, we saw that He can truly do that because He's the Lord of rest. And this morning, what we're going to see is the kind of people Jesus has in mind when He gives His invitation, and the type of people that Jesus desires to give His rest to. Notice, first of all, it's not the Pharisees. We can at least say that, right? The religious elite of the day. Those who, by all appearances, had it all together. Their life was not something that would be characterized as chaotic, frenetic, messy. No, Jesus gives rest to the injured man, to the one who is burdened, to the ones whose life is not what it could be. And so this morning... I want you to leave here remembering this one truth. If you remember nothing else, I hope you remember this. Real people can have real rest in Jesus by believing in Him for rest. And we're going to unpack this. But real people can have real rest in Jesus by believing in Him for rest. Jesus goes into the synagogue... Where all the locals are, and it says that he sees a man with a shriveled hand. And in the the original language, it's more like translated. Jesus was going to the synagogue, and behold, it catches our attention. It's almost as if Matthew wants it to jump out to us, and and we see the shriveled man, uh, this man with a shriveled hand. And it says that his hand is withered. It means it's unusable. He cannot use it. This is not something like he jammed his finger. This is something like, it is totally unusable. And notice it says that they ask him, and we're not sure who the they is. It might have been the Pharisees or the people in the synagogue. But they ask him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Now, that's an innocuous question. There's nothing un, uh, unkind or, or, or problematic about that question. The problem is the motivation behind it. Because look at what it says in verse 10. Verse 10. And in order to accuse him, they asked, is it lawful? So, they're not genuinely interested in having the, in the question answered. But they ask a question to accuse him. They want some, some ammo. They want some dirt. They want something on Jesus. And they're not really concerned about the real answer. So, is it lawful? Is it permitted? Does the law allow this type of healing on the Sabbath? And if we stop right here for a moment, I think we could say that this, this question displays a failure to understand the purpose of the law, the design of the law. And one of the things that the law does, it, it displays the opposite of what the law really is intended and designed to do, at least one of the functions of the law. But this question also really shows the opposition to which Jesus uh, experience that, that he went through. That that can you imagine everywhere you go, you don't know if some, I mean, Jesus knew, but let's just say we don't, you, you don't know if someone's asking a genuine question or if they're being, uh, trying to get something on you. But they ask a question to accuse him, and Jesus responds by asking them a question. You know, and sometimes when somebody asks a question, the best thing to do is ask another honest question. Sometimes you need a question which really just highlights the absurdity of the original question. But Jesus says in verse eleven, they say, Is it is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus replies to them, Who among you, if he had a sheep that fell into a pit on the Sabbath, wouldn't take hold of it and lift it out? And the way that Jesus asked the question, he's expecting them to say, Well, of course we would we would do that. I mean that that's our sheep, that's our lamb, that's our donkey. We wouldn't just leave it in the pit. We would We would do a little bit of work to rescue it, right? So then in verse 12, Jesus makes the conclusion. He says, a person, in contrast to a sheep, is worth far more than a sheep. And so it is lawful to do what is good on the Sabbath. And so Jesus says, yes, it's lawful to do good and to heal on the Sabbath. And when Jesus says this, that, A human being is worth more. This echoes what he says in Matthew 6, 26, where he says, Aren't you worth more than the sparrow? So there's an inherent value in this man. So not only do do the people asking the question not see the value in this man, but Jesus sees the value in this man. And he sees that he's worth more than an animal. Mankind is created in the image of God. It is the humanity it is for humanity that Christ laid down his life. And so Jesus uses this argument from lesser to greater. If you would rescue a sheep, would you not also rescue a human being and heal them on the Sabbath? And so Jesus says this is good. It is good. So not only, notice Jesus doesn't just say it's permissible. He says it's good. There's a difference. There's a slight difference between that which is allowed, and that which is good. They're asking about what's the bare minimum, right? Jesus is saying, here's the maximum. It is good and lawful to do what is good on the Sabbath. So, Jesus isn't just saying that healing or doing good is lawful. He's saying doing good and healing is law. Full, F-U-L-L, that is a fulfilling of the law. Doing a good work, performing an act of mercy is itself in accordance with what the Sabbath is designed to do. And in so doing, Jesus says what he's about to do is lawful. And it is a fulfillment of the Sabbath. In verse 13, it says, Then he told the man, stretch out your hand. And look how look how matter-of-fact Matthew is goes about this. He says, so he stretched it out and it was restored as good as the other. There's no touching. There is no, uh, you know, hovering or anything. Jesus says, stretch out your hand and it was healed. He heals by his word and it's as good as the other. Jesus doesn't improve it just a little bit, but it's as if it never happened. It's a type of uh, biomagnification that That it was uh, ingrained and then spread just like his other hand. But then look at verse 14. It says the response of the Pharisees was that they go out and try to figure out how to kill Jesus. Now, we would say that would never be us, right? Like If we saw that healing, it would never be us. Well, the problem with that is, is that it absolutely would be us why well if you go back to what we talked about last week he said there are two ways that you can have rest you can either earn it for yourself or it can be given to you the pharisees were of the party that thought you could earn it for yourself and so here comes jesus and he comes along and he challenges everything about that it's a strike to our pride it's a strike to our idolatry but we see that Jesus can give rest not just spiritually but physically and that those two are really tied together but we see that Jesus can heal and he does heal he values human life as important and as having worth but we also see that Jesus gives not just rest to both body and soul but but I want you to notice the order that Matthew gives here okay we talked about Jesus saying come to me for rest for your soul, and that he is the Lord of rest, and that he can give it. And then we get the account of bodily rest. And I think that's intentional. I think Matthew is making a point here that soul rest comes first, and then rest for the body. Because we all know, let's be honest, you can be physically still, physically resting. You can be physically sabbath but you still have a tempest and a storm in your heart. You're still anxious. You're still unsure. And so Jesus gives both, but, but it's one of those things where it has to come from the inside out. Jesus and, and Matthew's primary focus has been on soul rest. And, and so what we see is that Jesus' physical healing is a physical confirmation that he can do spiritually what he did physically. Are you with me? That what he does physically, he can do spiritually. So yes, Jesus can give rest because he's the Lord of the Sabbath. And yes, he does it because he is good and it is good. And not only is it lawful, but it's good. But, but one other thing I want you to see when we take into account everything that we've, we've seen, Jesus has come to me and I will give you rest. As we've gone along, I think there may have been some anxiety. Maybe you've been thinking as we've gone through these these passages, okay, so what I need to do then is just to get my hands on that rest. If I can just figure out how to get both my hands on a, a good helping of that rest, if I can just find that, wrap my arms around it, if I could just wrestle it down and 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 rest with 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 these two hands then then I'll be set I can rest I can finally rest or perhaps we think of it this way I need to create that rest I need to make space for that rest I I must remove the barriers for that rest and what we're really saying is I need to to make that rest with my own two hands and if that's been you and you've been thinking about this over the the past two or three weeks let me ask you if that has been you how does that usually work for you Looking back, when when you've tried to handmake rest, do you experience the rest of your soul that Jesus talks about? Or do you feel a sense of anxiety in your soul because you aren't creating enough rest? What if rest is not primarily something you create, but something you receive? What if rest has nothing to do with your hands, but has everything to do with Christ's hands? What if rest is something bestowed, not something that is conjured? You see, the problem with thinking we can hand-make rest is that we are no different than one of the characters in our account this morning. When we read this passage, we begin to see that we are not so much different than the man with the shriveled hand. Our hands are sinful. They're idolatrous. They are addicted to work. They can't be still. We can no more achieve perfect soul rest than we can achieve our own salvation. And so, what we see in the man's physical hand is a mirrored image of our own soul. The only hope for this man's healing and rest is our only hope for our soul. The only hope for his hand is the only hope for us. And so Jesus really is the true soul source of soul rest. And we're invited. Listen, we are invited To come to Him. Because in Him there is rest provided in plenty. So if you're wanting that rest. If you're wanting that soul rest. Rest in Christ. It's not something that you have to create. It's something we are invited to enter. It's there. Waiting for us to enter it. It's like the promised land. When Jesus in, 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 in the Old Testament, it talks about resting in the promised land. The Israelites didn't have to, to go and create the promised land, they entered into it. And you say, where is that, that parable or that, that paradigm in the New Testament? Well, it's actually used in Hebrews and the writer of hebrews uses the physical entering of the land as a picture of entering rest and so what I, here's what i want us to do i want us to swing over to hebrews chapter 4 for a moment turning your bibles to hebrews chapter 4 hebrews chapter 4 so if jesus is the sole source of soul rest if we can have real rest for real people in jesus How do we access that rest? How do we come to enter that rest? The good news is that the scriptures don't leave us uninformed on how. And it's stunningly beautiful and stunningly glorious and stunningly simple. In Hebrews chapter 4, beginning of verse 1, listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Since the promise... To enter his rest remains. There it is. There is rest. And there is a promised rest. And it remains. You can have that rest today, right now. Since it remains, let us beware that none of you be found to have fallen short. That Be, be careful that none of you strive and strive and strive but fall short And isn't that what it's like when we try to hand make this rest? Look at what it says in verse 2. For we also have received the good news just as they did. Who's he talking about? If you go back in chapter 3, it's talking about those who were hardening their hearts in the rebellion and in the wilderness and they did not obey God. They did not hear his... He says, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did. He's talking about the Old Testament saints, the Old Testament Israel. He said, they received the good news of rest just as... As we did. And we did as they did. But the message they heard did not benefit them. Why? Since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. Now here's verse 3. Okay. Listen. How do we get this rest? For we who have believed enter the rest. Listen to that again. For we who have believed enter the rest saints how can you have so rest believe and receive the rest we enter in the rest by believing that Jesus gives it and then receiving it real people can have real rest in Jesus by believing in Him for the rest they need. That's it. When you need rest for your soul, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter what you think your qualifications are for this rest, whether you deserve it or not. You can have rest for your soul by believing That Jesus gives it and receiving it from Him. You can have rest when you trust that Jesus is the source of rest. That He's the Lord of rest. And when you believe that in Him you have that rest your soul needs. So in your most stressful, demanding, taxing situation. By believing there is rest and trusting it. You have it. You receive it. By faith from Jesus Christ himself. And you say, that sounds too simple. That sounds too easy. Well, isn't that the way that we come to be saved and experience that soul rest in the first place? We would say you can't do anything to be saved. You can't earn your salvation. You simply have to acknowledge that Jesus is who he is. He will do what he says he will do. He did what he said he will do. And you put your faith in him and you receive what he's done on your behalf. It's no different than when you need rest every single time. You acknowledge that Jesus gives it. And you believe that it's there. And you receive it and you Have it when you receive it in faith. And so if you want rest this morning and you know you're not perfect, you know you don't have it all together, if you're a real person, there is real rest in Jesus. Believe in Him and receive it from Him. So you can have rest in any and every circumstance. When you wake up in a cold sweat, Believe and receive his rest. When your child won't text you back or return your calls or when you don't know where they are, believe and receive his rest. When there's more month than there is money left, believe and receive his rest. When your whole life is a mess, believe and receive his rest. rest. Rest can be yours whenever you need it, at the very moment you need it, if you'll believe and receive it from Christ. Isn't that so good? When your work has you beat down, when the dishes are piled up, when their kids are misbehaving for the 100th time after you've just disciplined them for the 99th time, when the house is cluttered, when your heart is cluttered, when you've just committed that sin again, when all of life has got you stressed, depressed, and when all you want is rest, you can have it by believing and receiving. If you need soul rest, maybe you need it right now. You came this morning with a restless heart. And you need the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. What is not for you to do is to go out and make it better and try to make that rest. But instead, receive the peace and the rest of God in your heart by trusting in Christ. If your heart and soul is restless and you're wondering about your salvation after the week you've had, come and find rest in Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and and your life is just a total mess. And you have no way of digging yourself out of it, and you know that you cannot find your way out. The promise is for you too. Maybe you've never trusted Christ as your savior. That's where you need to start to experience, to taste that rest for the first time and know what it's like to have water poured onto the fire of your heart. If you've ever, if you've ever put out a campfire, that's the picture that we are offered. That the raging, the burning, the, the consumption, the, the heat can all be calmed when we rest in Jesus. So we come to a time where we need to respond to what we've heard. Maybe there's an area in your life where you know you've been stressing, you've been obsessing, you've been trying to control everything and what you need is rest. This is the moment where you can give that over to the Lord and say, Lord, I am resting And you, Jesus, I believe that you will give me rest and let the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, find its home in your heart. I'm going to be down here at the front. If there's something that you don't have rest about and you'd like me to pray for you, I'd be happy to do that as well. But let's take a moment. I want to pray for all of us and then you can respond as the Lord leads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you God, for the rest that you offer us, God, that we can celebrate each week, God, as we come and worship the rest that you give us, God, that you offer us freely because Christ saved us. He laid down his life on a cross, and Jesus, you took away the wrath and the judgment that we deserve for our sin, and you invite us into everlasting rest. Thank you.